Hello and welcome to Mates of Origin, the Edge of the Crowds Rugby League podcast. I'm Jess and filling in for Elliot is Jackie. How are you, Jackie? I'm good tonight, Jess. How are you? I'm good. Been another great week of footy. Got out to the NRLW finals, which is always fun. I mean, yeah, you got to see history in the NRLW semifinals. Yeah. So that's with that, let's head straight into them. So the first game was, I think, the more predictable of the results. <laughs> which was the Dragons taking down the Titans 24 to 18, which started off a bit messy, but the Dragons did pretty quickly kick into gear by the end of the first half and beginning of the second half to really put it out of reach when there were a few late tries from the Titans. But at that point, it was a very long shot of getting anything done. Yeah, I mean, it was only six points in the end. So a last-minute try could have sent it to golden point. Dragons also could have gone for a field goal at the same time. Um, I think it's better for the Dragons that they had this messier match this week so they can get some of their final students out of the way and be locked and loaded for the grand final this weekend. Um, but I think that the big thing is that in the difference in the match is the completion rates. Like the Titans only completed 68% um, of their sets compared to the Dragons 81, which is still not great. It's fine. That's a decent completion rate but 68 percent is just woeful yeah absolutely you look at those stats and you assume it was a wet weather match or something like that but no it was perfectly dry yeah and i mean the dragons getting away with four line breaks to one like that that's where you win and lose matches like completion rates having decent line breaks um Overall, I think, was a strong match for the Dragons. They're going to need to play better um, this weekend up against the Roosters because it's just, it's it's not going to fly. <laughs> no, there's only so much you can do against. They're probably a bit lucky they're not facing the Broncos, but the Roosters are still a really tough team and they, despite being higher on the table, are going to need to do a lot more in that second round. Yeah. And disciplined footy will be key. I mean, the Dragons only conceded four penalties, but even still, like, four penalties against this Roosters outfield, it could could be the difference. And, I mean, the Titans' 12 penalties definitely made a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. But I also just think it's been really incredible for the Dragons going from wooden spoon in their last season in 2020 to looking like they were the strong shot at taking out the minor premiership for most of the final couple of rounds and now being in the grand final. Yeah, a productive uh, 15, 18 months, however long you actually want to determine that time period for the Dragons. A lot of teams could have fallen to the wayside, um, not kept up with their training properly, especially not having any matches last year, um, as well as, you know, everyone in New South Wales being in lockdown for as long as they were. But they've come back quite strong. Um, And as you said, they were looking like a minor premiership threat. Now they're looking like a premiership threat. And, I mean, it's all great to win the minor premiership. Do you know what's a lot better? To win your first ring. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And to be the first team not named the Brisbane Broncos to win (laughs) is a very big achievement. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess we should move to the second semi-final, which which was looking a little bit different when you got out of the press conferences from the previous match uh, to the final result. So, yeah, if you watch back the footage of the press conference, there were a couple of questions there that had basically assumed that the Broncos would win since 
last time I checked the score before heading before we started recording was it was 16 nothing Broncos and we're like okay they've probably got this then we checked and the Roosters scored and then the Roosters won it and after the 13 minute mark the Broncos did not score again yeah which I mean it says a lot about the Roosters performance but it was also a semi-uncharacteristic performance from the Broncos I mean, to get handled, handed your first finals loss, it's got to hurt a little bit. But at the same time, I mean, this team's been so dominant for the past, I mean, four years, even though there's only been three seasons. This could be a season that's considered an asterisk because they were playing in a different portion of the year to when they normally play. So, like, whilst you can, I guess, roll out a couple of excuses, this team was still the minor premiers this year. They have not lost a minor premiership yet, um, which shows that in the home and away season, they are just well and truly the strongest team. But the Roosters pulled off what I guess some could consider a little bit of a miracle. I've been sneaky since the start of this season being like, the Roosters look good here. I think that people are underrating them. And whilst I didn't, say it anywhere so it's all well and good to have been thinking that at the same time they've looked better as that final half of the home and away season went on and then they've come in and somehow beaten the Broncos um I mean it's something that you like to see because it is the underdog winning ultimately um whether I particularly like the Roosters winning based on my own personal biases is a whole other thing but um the fact that they held off the Broncos for 57 minutes of the match um, from scoring again, that's a big deal. Um, and that's the kind of discipline that is going to help them win against St. George next weekend or this weekend. But at the same time, like the Roosters have gotten away with a little bit because they had some people getting sent to the tribunal for um, potential suspensions Thankfully that there have been no one match bans right ahead of a grand final. I personally am just not the biggest fan of people getting put on important semifinals unless it's a particularly bad offense. Yeah, I think it is a bit of a, you do feel for the player who misses a grand final because of a borderline incident. Yeah, since something that's like seemingly innocuous almost. Give penalties away during the game, stuff like that. But if it's a borderline, don't don't bother about the tribunal. Yeah, and I mean Olivia Higgins did get sinbinned in that first half um, for making a tackle that was offside. But at like the same time, it, that's all well and good that she got sinbinned and that sort of thing. They still won. <laughs> like they played for a player down for ten minutes, still won. Yeah, and that's I think has been one of the most impressive things about the Roosters that they started with a number of their key players not available due to COVID, due to injury, stuff like that, have been really reinforced by Corbin Baxter coming back in, by Sergis coming back in, so many other key players for them that have really helped them become this side that has gone from losing to the Broncos in the first round to winning the game that people are actually going to remember. Yeah, and I don't think that they were destroyed by the Broncos in that first round. Um, and ultimately, you got to lose to win. 
I know that a lot of people think that that's like not that great of a take, but sometimes there's a lot to learn from losing against a team. There is a value, at least in the men's season, to lose that first uh, weekend of finals in the qualifying final, come through the grand final, win the grand final against the same team that you lost in the first lost against in the first week of finals. Um, there's value to it. There's also problems with it. Yeah, absolutely, and I do think that this also just shows how much closer this comp is getting when, when a team that was looking like they might miss finals altogether has now come and beat one of the great teams of NRLW. That is a sign that this is a tight competition. Yeah, and it will open up a little bit with further expansion over the next couple of seasons. But it makes me excited for the proper 2022 season, which will be later this year, starts in August, I think. And with that comes more hype, more momentum, because that's getting played around the men's comp as well again. But we get to see finals all together, like the men and the women are playing finals at the same time. So you can go to see both in a double header. Um, which is part of one of the fun and unique things about the NRL grand final, at least, is that you've got the men's final, you've got the women's final, you've got some of the juniors finals. So you got a little bit of everything. You get to see the future of tomorrow. And then you also get to see the very, very talented women's competition, which is just going to get better the more it expands um, because they've been cautious and taken it slow. Yeah, absolutely. There is absolutely a benefit into finding the right balance between expanding too quickly and wanting to get teams that people know so they can support their team because if you do it too fast it becomes a competition where half the teams beat up the other half of the teams and you only get three or four competitive games in season and i mean just to rag on the afl a little bit like the aflw is now having a season when the nrlw season starts because the nrlw has done it so well and they want to compete with them um and that's massive kudos to what the nrlw has done um which i don't think a lot of people in the afl want to mention that it's a little bit of uh, the green-eyed monster towards what the nrl is doing because they like to pretend that they're always the big dogs and always on top the NRLW has done very well this year, um, despite having an 18-month gap. Yeah, absolutely. But I think before this year, it was very clear that the AFLW was probably the dominant domestic women's sporting league in Australia. But the NRLW has been winning a lot of those viewership battles this season. Yeah. And it helps it that it's all in the same day and it's all in the same location back to back to back. That's just one point to it. There's also just the fact that it's good. It's good footy. Um, and you're not like seeing fundamental errors. It's yes, it's a women's comp and it's not for everyone. Sure, that's that's your prerogative if you don't like it. But people have gotten into it that aren't normally into women's sports. Um, and that's because of how good the competition is and also how well the NRL has actually promoted it. Could do better but they're still doing very well. So that brings us to the big event of the season. Who is going to take out what is technically, officially, the 2021 Grand Final? I It hurts my heart to say it. I think it's going to be the Roosters. I think beating the Broncos is a big um, confidence boost. And I don't think they played their Grand Final this weekend. This weekend gone. I think that's the trap that some teams fall into as they play the Grand Final a week early. 
but they won convincingly enough that I think that there's still a lot left in the tank um, that they should be right. And I think that the problems that happened for St. George last weekend aren't just miraculously going to get fixed in a week. Um, also, there it's in Brisbane, so it almost got like a real advantage. Yeah, that's the other interesting thing that I am sure that when the NRL promoted and just I am sure that when the NRL decided to make a Brisbane grand or a Redcliffe grand final, they expected the Broncos to be there and they knew that the Titans had a realistic shot of meeting them. It's very unfortunate for them that neither of those worked out. I think that it's like it's bittersweet in a way but it's also like that's what happens when you try to script it is that it just it, it's never going to go to plan um and when you're like well the broncos are obviously going to make the grand final you put the mods on them by doing that granted i also at the start of the season was just like the, the broncos obviously I yeah mean, I- ali brigshaw is one of the best athletes in australia currently and yeah and i do hope we get a standalone grand final down here in sydney at some point because i would certainly love to be able to get there be in that purely focused on the women's and not as a pre-event but it's going to be a good day i am really excited to see who takes it home this season and i'm probably going to go the dragons i think they have been the better team all season they won the regular season matchup i think either team could i will not be complaining if the roosters win but my tip's going to go dragons okay that's i'm not going to complain (laughs) So then let's move on to the men's competition and we'll start off on Thursday with what some have been calling one of the worst matches in the NRL, full stop. It was not good. It was like, <laughs> I, oh man, I'm sorry, Wests, but you're just not a very good team. And the, tit- the Titans have tried since being introduced to the competition, but they're also not particularly good. And I think that that's one of those, it's like the culmination of like years of what everyone's been saying about both teams happening in the one match. And it's, it's lucky it wasn't trialist. Like that's how bad the game was. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I was not watching the beginning of the match. I did see some of it, but. The fact that it was very almost a trialist match is a very terrible endorsement for either side. It's not good for the sport. Like, just as, like, one singular team being, like, ridiculously dominant isn't particularly good for the sport unless it's in its fledgling stages. Um, a trialist game, when there's never been a trialist game, it's it's a nice statistic and it's a funny statistic, but people just go, what, what are these jokers doing playing then? Yeah, and I was starting to think that, okay, maybe the Titans could be a bit underrated this year. They had shown a bit of promise in the past three weeks. And then they just came out with this mess. Yeah, I think that people have been back to the Titans a little bit too hard for the past couple of years. I think that there are players that are quite good. I don't think that they are a cohesive team. Um, and that's some of their issues. I also think, though, that <laughs> like there's just... It, it's hard like to be a Queensland team at the moment um, and the Titans have not done a particularly admirable job when they were expected to probably be the top Queensland team this season because I don't think a lot of people had a lot on the Cowboys and the Broncos are doing better than anyone expected 
um, I think in a lot of ways, but I mean, the Tigers are just rubbish as well. Like it doesn't help that both teams are bad. And I think that this is a match that was actually worthy of being a draw. I don't think either team deserved to win. Um, And maybe the Tigers needed an extra penalty goal to make it a draw. Sure. Whatever. But they're both like, they're both bad in attack. And whilst like, you can claim that, oh, there were some admirable moments in defence. They're not defensive strongholds. Like, if you put either one of these teams up against the Panthers last weekend, they would have lost 60-0. It would have been an absolute bloodbath. Different kind of very entertaining viewing. But still, again, not good for the sport. If if teams aren't competitive, they need to start doing something. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, let's be honest, I don't think any of the games this week were a great endorsement in the men's competition. I think, I think there were moments in some of the games. Um, I mean, the next game we're talking about, which was the first of the Friday night matches, the Sharks versus the Knights are not a great NRL endorsement either. <laughs> but um, it was partially because the Sharks won 18 to nil. Um, and there were just some moments that were like, ugh. Like, Newcastle, what are you doing? You should be, whilst Newcastle aren't exceptional, you're a better side than this and you're a better side than the mistakes that you're making um, right in front of goal in particular. Yeah, and especially when Newcastle had been starting to convince a lot of people that there might actually be talent in Newcastle beyond Kalen Ponga. there's definitely talent there I think that there's it's similar to the Titans there's cohesion issues um they're not there's talented players they're not necessarily a strong team I think that the over like overly focused attitude on Caelan Ponga is probably unfair um to some of the other players at the Knights at the same time though this is a team that was expected to be a finals contender this year and you're losing 18-0 to the Sharks. Like, you know, yeah, I, I just don't think that the Sharks are a particularly exceptional team. They have started this season well. They are fourth on the ladder, um, and they have started this season better than I thought that they were going to. At the same time, <laughs> it's the Sharks. Yeah, and I think there are a lot of teams this season that fall into the, we're not really sure what to make of them yet because there are, reasons why they're a good team who can make the finals and there are reasons why they're a bad team who should miss the final the Sharks are one of those really interesting teams and I mean as a I'm a Souths fan and like whilst it sucks that we lost Dan Gagai um I also watched that match and was just like man thank god Dan Gagai isn't playing for us this year (laughs) like he did not have a great game and that like being the reason why your opposition scored has been a problem for Gagai at South. It's now a problem at the Knights and it's a weaker defensive unit at the Knights than what he was at at his old club. So he actually needs to step up and be a proper leader. It doesn't seem to be able to do it. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a struggle for them. Yeah, we might talk about the Bunnies versus the Panthers. Because um, unfortunately for me, the Bunnies lost in the grand final rematch. I think it was probably one of the better games of the round. It was more competitive than the scoreboard made it look, especially for some periods of the match. Um, it ended up being 26-12 Panthers win. But, I mean, with all the disallowed tries in this game, it could have been a high-scoring match that was quite close in the end. I think that 
a massive kudos has to go to Jerome Luai because like he's a star for starters but he just had an excellent match um and led when Cleary didn't have his best day out I think that people are reluctant to say that Cleary didn't have a great game um because it's Nathan Cleary and at the same time I'm like I'll, I'll say it <laughs> Cleary missed three of his five conversions and one of those conversions he got was straight in front of goal he didn't get any of the conversions in the first half which really hurts um the side whereas Souths who have been struggling with their kicking um for the first half of the season Latrell Mitchell kicked really well and as far as like the on-field kicking in the halfback position Lachlan Ilias actually looked like he's starting to come into his own a little bit, which has been South's problem at the start of this season, whereas Cleary just didn't have a particularly exceptional night. His bombs are always great, but at the same time, Alex Johnston and Latrell Mitchell know how to manage those bombs better than, say, a youngster like Blake Taff, who isn't in South side at the moment. Yeah, exactly. I think that was one of the things that really did impress me about Penrith was the fact that they are showing that they are a capable team without Cleary, which just makes them more dangerous this season. Yeah, like, and that's one of the cases of, like, while Cleary was there, Cleary wasn't having his best day, but everyone else around Cleary did step up. Um Isaiah Yo and James Fisher-Harris had their moments that weren't great, but Fisher-Harris, I think, actually had a really good night and probably isn't necessarily getting talked about enough. Um, I just, I thought it was an interesting match to watch. Um, it, it would have been nicer to see some of those disallowed tries get um, called, so it could have been a bit of a higher scoring game whilst being a good match, but... I think that like the one moment that I think is the real dampener on the match as a whole was um, the eight point try. And that's not to say that the eight point try shouldn't have been allowed. It definitely should have, but it's one of those like accidental moments that you just go like, I wish this hadn't happened. Ilias luckily wasn't suspended because it was clearly not intentional. Um, It was just a, bad accidental moment and Martin wasn't injured and wasn't even sent off for HIA but still it's got to hurt to cop a boot to the head yes they were rewarded handsomely for it um I in the moment forgot what the eight point try rule was (laughs) I was like I I was like it's a try they get the conversion then they get an extra four as like a penalty try and then they get an extra conversion and that's not what it is it's just that they get an extra kick um that's right in front of goal so I had my own little just like brain dead moment where I thought that we were going to be down so much further than we were and then when it was like 26 12 I was like oh this isn't actually that bad okay we can come back we did not like South did not come back and that last 10 minutes though was still hard for play whereas in other matches, it felt like teams had given up with 10 minutes to go. Yeah. It was probably the only match other than the Thursday night one where it wasn't out of the question for a comeback. Yeah. I, th- I think that's also, though, a credit of Souths, where they are at this season. Some people will be like, one and three, that's a terrible start. They made the grand final. South Sydney is not a particularly uh, strong starter to the season most years. We were in a similar position last year. We probably won the wrong match. 
but it still in the same time is the better match for South to have won because they love to beat the Chooks. But that losing to Brisbane in the first week, not great. We had no, the South Sydney had no right to get back into that get match against Melbourne. Um, and then this match, it's like off the back of beating the Roosters, maybe there was higher expectations than there possibly should have been. But also the Panthers are just so good. And there's a reason why people are already saying, can they make a third grand final in a row? Yes, probably. Provided everyone stays fit and healthy. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Souths, I don't think are quite as bad as one and three suggest. But I do think we need to see a bit more out of them in the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, if they lose to St. George, it's a whole different conversation. But the kids that have had to step up, in particular Ilias, looking more confident as each week goes, I think is a big help because Ilias was terrible against Storm and got kicking duties taken off of him. And then this week held his own um, against the Panthers as far as kicking duties were concerned, which you'd think for the occasion he would have stumbled. But aside from the accidental kick to the head, he had a really good game. Yeah, absolutely. And the kick to the head was a thing where you really feel for him. You could tell he didn't mean it. But from a player safety point of view, you do have to penalise that. Yeah, everything, like it was one of, it's just one of those moments where it's like, it's clearly accidental, but the right call was still made. And I think that anyone that doesn't think that the right call was made, unless they're demanding that he got 10 in the bin, which whatever, I don't care. Um, as far as that eight point try is concerned, is delusional. Like that's clearly the call that had to get made as soon as contact was made with the head. Yeah, absolutely. If it was intentional, there'd be a ton more going with that. But I think it's the right balance between penalising something that was maybe reckless, but not malicious. Move on to the Warriors versus Broncos game, which was another somewhat surprising result with the Warriors getting the win. Yeah, I think big part of that reason why it's surprising was because I'm pretty sure the Warriors were at the bottom of the ladder um, going into the match. They're not anymore because a 20-6 to 6 win will bump you up a few points. But... I thought that they played reasonably well. It wasn't a perfect match from either side. It's also early in the season and we can't expect that from almost any side. Um, spoiler, Storm basically is perfect. <laughs> as, as much as that hurts to say, they're incredible. Um, to be fair, that probably applies for pretty much every single season in about 20 years. <laughs> since they've entered the league. <laughs> um but I think that the Broncos just look a little bit rusty, almost like they're still trying to figure out what they're doing um, in parts, which they've had some big changes in the offseason, obviously. And and Thomas Fledgler coming back off a four-game ban, so that's his first game of the season, does make it a little bit funky for the side. He also had four moments where he was on report in this match. Copped a sin bin for a late tackle, and it's like... At that point, do you not just get a send-off? Like, if you're getting put on report four times in one game, do we not just go three strikes, you're out of here? Like, yes, it's not necessarily so bad that it is just an automatic send-off. It is the level of ill-disciplined play 
that is going on shouldn't have been picked in the side if you can't figure out hey maybe I need to be not entering these tackles this late maybe I need to not go as high on the body like it's just one of those things where I'm like how do you get put on report four times when you get away with a lot in this sport <laughs> like there are so many moments in the NRL where I'm like oh they could have gotten put on report there like it's not great um and I get away with it <laughs> and then it's a one player gets four reports in the one match most teams don't get four players put on report in a game yeah absolutely especially when you are already coming back from a suspension <laughs> you get one game back and then you've got a pretty lengthy visit to the judiciary next week Freak, it's, yeah it's not a wise decision <laughs> each one of those offenses could warrant a match or more so it's like how long until you're coming back now this time are we going that they're all served concurrently so like each offense whilst it's a one week ban is served in one week or is it because it's one week it's four weeks it's obviously the latter but like it's just it's dumb like it's not being a smart footballer and that's what you have to be at this level of the game as well. You can't get away with these dumb mistakes that sure fly at like your local park game um, or a local league in the country. <laughs> it's not going to fly in the NRL. There's cameras everywhere. There's a bunker. Like there's just, there's so many mistakes that should not be happening to get That's... put on report that many times. And this, the call to Sinbinim is 100% the correct choice, but he probably shouldn't have had the ability to re-enter the game. Maybe there needs to be a policy regarding how many times you get put on report because whilst this is an exceptional circumstance, like that's the talking point that comes out of a match that was a pretty good match for the Warriors. And you know how you can tell that? Because we probably just spent like five minutes talking about it. Exactly. And I think that's also just a situation where Broncos staff need to come and say, what was that? You need to clean this up. Yeah, and the Broncos also had two injuries in this match. Like, Pat Carrigan, uh, I don't know the level of his injury right now. I don't have it in front of me, but he's injured his knee. Albert Kelly injured his foot. They both didn't take part in the second half. Like, <laughs> and then we had an additional player getting Sinbin. The Broncos aren't doing themselves favours in parts, but also, like, you can't blame the side as a whole for two injuries happening in the one match. That is very unfortunate. And I just, I can't believe it happened. <laughs> yeah, it's, they seem to be a team that's been doing a lot of the right things in recent years, but not getting anywhere with them. Yeah, I think that it'll come, it'll come good eventually, but there's got to, <laughs> they've got to keep a list that's fit as well as not having players getting suspended for four weeks because it's just ridiculous. Absolutely. So next game of that day was out in Mudgee where Manly took down the Raiders 25 to 6, which as a Manly fan, it was a lot more refreshing to get a more dominant win. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not a particularly big fan of Deli Cherry Evans, but he had a fantastic game. I mean, the look, 40-20s, we're starting to get a little bit used to. The 2040. Ooh, like that's one of those ones you don't see very often. It is a very risky move, but it was well worth it. It like his kicking game just looks so good this year. And I mean, Manly has got to be rubbing their hands together now that he's signed another two-year contract. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, he's getting a bit older, but he is still incredible. And with the rest of that backfield that Manly have, 
when they're playing at their best. He is mostly there for kicking and passing, which he does well. Yeah, and I mean, Tommy Turbo scored off of one of the 4020s. That was when they were leading 18 to 6 at that point, I think. And that made it 22 to 6. So it's like it was, it wasn't sewn up, but I mean, <laughs> this Raiders outfit was not coming back from it. And also Ruben Garrick had a pretty good game. Um, his penalty goal helping a couple of minutes later did just add a little bit of Cora Manley's performance. But it's why Manly has been getting talked about as being so dangerous, despite the fact that they can't cross the final hurdle um, repeatedly in the past couple of years. Um, the unfortunate thing that comes out of this game is Trebojevic being injured. They like Manly tried to downplay it on Saturday and Sunday, being like, "Oh no, it's just like for protection or something." I can't remember the exact quote that they used. It was one of those ones where I was like, mm, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> like he's injured. Like you're not. He's not getting named if his knee's strapped up like that. And now it's sounding like he's going to be out for four weeks, which is a big hit. Like Trebojevic is just not a player you want to lose ever. But then if he's fit, you're going to lose him for the better part of six-ish weeks for Origin because there's no way he's not playing Origin. You already accept that he's going to be gone for Origin when the season starts because... It's Tommy Turbo. Yeah, even Tommy Turbo at a not great day is still an incredible player. So losing all that time, we have seen last year, Manly wasn't a great team in the games that they didn't have Turbo. So they really need to step it up this year for that. Yeah, and I think that they're capable of doing it. It's just they've got to find it um, sooner rather than later because whilst I don't think losing Turbo for 10-ish weeks, it's obviously not completely 10 weeks, but he's in and out for a period of about 10 weeks now, it seems like. That's that's not necessarily losing finals hopes. That is losing potentially top four hopes if they can't sort it out because they don't have a crazy difficult origin period. But some teams will be at full strength in origin because they like their players just aren't playing well enough to get selected. They'll benefit from also playing some sides during origin that are going to be seriously depleted. So there is a give and take, um, but the next four weeks I think is going to be the most telling period for Manly because they've got a mix of games they've got some games that they should win even without him they've got some games that would be hard with him yeah they need to show what sort of a team they are over these next four weeks and if they come away with it well we could very well be talking about their shots at finals grand finals stuff like that if they don't come away from it well we could very well be talking about them missing finals altogether yeah, and another one of the matches from Saturday was the Roosters and the Cowboys, and the Roosters definitely bounced back from losing to South Sydney um, with a 28-4 to win. I mean, that's it's kind of what we expect from this matchup. Um, North Queensland haven't looked particularly good for quite a while, basically since they lost Thurston, and the Roosters, even when they are hampered by injuries, which they're not that heavily hampered by injuries at the moment, um, are still a quality side. <laughs> um, they're coached very well. And 
I mean, this is just more of the proof of it. Luke Curie had a particularly good day, at least I thought. And as like, I don't know. I just think that it was one of those matches where it's it went to script. And then at the same time, there were moments where you were just like, oh, this is not particularly good football. Yeah, absolutely. The Roosters are a good team. They've been a good team for years now, one won grand finals reliably in the finals, reliably near the top for years. So not particularly surprising they've won. Have liked a bit of what I've seen from the Cowboys this season, but this, I think, was bringing that down to earth a bit. Yeah, this is more what you almost come. We've come to expect from the Cowboys. We were thinking they were going to be better than they have been because they've won most of their games. And now it's like, all right, yep. That's, that's the universe being where it should be a little bit. Yeah. Though also, it was the Roosters. I'm not saying the Cowboys are completely terrible and should have no reason to lose that game. It was a tough game. But if they were the genuinely decent side that I think people made them out to be, you'd have hoped it would be a bit closer. Yeah. They just, with the way that people have been talking about them, you would have expected this to be a competitive game. And whilst it wasn't a walkover, it was still, it was solidly the Roosters. <laughs> it was one of those, in the end, you're just like, never in doubt. <laughs> it was 20 nil at halftime, never in doubt. And then um, if you want to get in games that were never in doubt, <laughs> the Storm beat the Bulldogs 44 to nothing. And my original notes for this game were Pappenhausen, good at footy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just it, like uh, Ryan Pappenhausen clearly loves the fourth round. He scored four this year. He scored four last year against the Broncos. He's also just elite footballer. Um, and it, it's like, if you can go to watch him play, um, go and see it. <laughs> Obviously, people in Melbourne are treated to it a little bit more often. But if your team's playing Storm and Ryan Pappenhausen's in, j- just try and get there because it's it's fun to watch even if your team's losing. I mean, any um, Storm team is good purely because he's great and they've got so much other talent. Yeah, there. and I mean, whilst I make jokes about the fact that Bellamy needs to retire on account of him being really old, at the same time, Bellamy's an excellent coach. Like him, Wayne Bennett, like... There is just that there's so much experience and so much knowledge in the game about the game that any team they coach ends up doing pretty well. And Storm have been doing pretty well for 20 years. Um, I'm just sure that the only year that the Storm have missed the final since about 2002 was the one year that they were ineligible to win any premiership points. No points season that they still won a fair amount. Of yeah, they still would have been a finals team there. Ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> just absurd. <laughs> Absolutely absurd. I mean, look, the the Bulldogs are not a particularly good team. The Bulldogs, um, similar to the Tigers, like to throw money at players and then still can't like get it together. Um, and the proof is like Josh Adokar against his old team. Doesn't score. Um, it's the longest, it's the equal longest drought of his career because he hasn't scored for the past four weeks. Didn't score for the uh, final two matches of the of last season when he was at Storm. Um, 
that's not entirely Josh Adokar's fault. This Bulldogs outfit is just... I don't know what it is. Like, everyone was talking at the start of this season about how they're suddenly going to be really good. Oh, they're not going to have another wooden spoon season. And I was like, there is this issue of teams need to learn how to win. Um, And you can throw anyone into a team and be like, oh, my God, it's going to be so great. We've got the best player in the league. If that club as a whole does not have a winning mentality to it, which the Bulldogs don't, um, they're not going to win games and they're going to lose games that they should win and then they're going to get smashed in games that they're not expected to win. And that's what's happened. And, like, I'm, I'm going to be real, it should have been more. Like, the st- storm looked good enough that they could have won by a whole lot more. Absolutely. It's more than just talent that you need to win a game. And while the Bulldogs have made some good moves in acquiring talent, there's a lot more that needs to be answered. Yeah, I just, it seems like it's an ongoing problem for the Bulldogs is that they bring these players in, those players stay for a couple of years, but nothing really happens. And then they go somewhere else for less money. Like you can only throw so much money at a player. Um, I don't know, even if you were throwing millions of dollars at me, if it was like, oh, you can come to lose every week, I'd be like, nah, because that's not going to do much to improve my contract chances further into my career if I want to keep playing pass speed at your club. Um, exactly. And I probably... think that's also why players can take a salary cut a bit to play at teams like the Storm and stuff like that. Because, okay, you might lose out on a little bit of money now. You get yourself a strong chance at the grand final and you get a strong chance to show why other clubs should be paying you more money. Well, and... The Bulldogs are eight years from playing in a grand final. Like, they played in one eight years ago, and now everyone just makes jokes about how rubbish they are. So, like, a lot's gone wrong in not that long a period of time. And the big problem is, is whilst they are bringing players in, they're not keeping good players either. Like, yes, you bring in Josh Haddocart, you've lost another player. You bring in someone else, you'll lose Josh Haddocart because a little bit they can't afford to be keeping these players. But if you want to get good in three or four years' time, you need these players to still be there and for the team to be not necessarily built around them, but to be built around them a little bit. (laughs) There's no better way to put it. Yeah, and the other problem, I think, is that they really haven't been able to bring in talent from their reserve systems and stuff like that, which you look at these big best clubs... And the thing you consistently see about them is they can bring in reliable players to fill in gaps and miss. Yeah, well, and I guess going back to the Panthers and South, like those two clubs are the perfect examples of junior programs that it is from the very start of their playing career. They are from the South Sydney juniors or they are from the Penrith juniors. Um, And then they come in and they play in or win a grand final for the club that they were a junior at which not every club has afforded that luxury, that's for sure. It's not that easy for Melbourne Storm. Um, But at the same time, like, if there is a strong connection to the club with the players, it's not everything, but it does help. Yeah, absolutely. Plus also the younger talent is a lot easier to bring in than a player in the absolute peak of their career. Yeah, and, I mean, young players can do some freaky stuff. Like, you can bring in a kid that's never played a game of NRL in his career 
and then do something better than the same player that has been in that position all season in their very first match when you weren't expecting a whole lot. And maybe that doesn't make them a regular player in the side, but it means that they are now usable and they can be on the interchange regularly. And I think that the Bulldogs at least need to start doing a little bit something like that because... Otherwise, they're just going to be stuck in the bottom four year after year after year. And the more years you are in that position, similar to the Tigers, the worse it gets for your club. Yeah, it's absolutely a psychological thing too, that there is a lot of benefit to every now and then making an eight, maybe not doing too much damage in the finals, but just being there, being around those sides. Yeah, I mean, we and we see it in other sports. Like, we do. I mean, I get that this is an NRL podcast and this won't make a lot of people happy, but, like, there is a benefit to Essendon losing a final every couple of years, <laughs> um, just as there is, is a shock factor in a club like Carlton, which I guess in this case would kind of be like a West Tigers currently being 3-0. <laughs> Um, you would just be like, what? And they're beating these teams? Like, I find it really frustrating when clubs are so bad for so long and all they're doing is throwing money at players because it's not helping the actual structural issues of the club, as is firing your coach every two years. That doesn't help the structural issue because the structural issue isn't the head coach. It's more than that. It's what's going on behind the scenes, but no one wants to be culpable for it. Um, so nothing gets fixed within the club. <laughs> exactly. A head coach is only as good as the resources the coaching staff have. Uh, but rather than ranting about how bad the Bulldogs are, <laughs> um, we should probably move to the final match of the round, which was the Eels versus the Dragons. And, I mean, the Eels have been hit and miss so far this season, I'd say. But a 48-14 to 14 win against the Dragons, that's it's got to feel good yeah, <laughs> it's been, and it's it's a good way to end the round yeah absolutely I'm sure they would have hoped for that final two points to get the mythical 50 points <laughs> that has become somewhat of a bit of a cult thing on NRL Twitter but <laughs> it is definitely a strong margin and showing once again that they are maybe a capable side but they have shown that early this season but they've also shown plenty of the opposite yeah, and I mean, the fact that Dylan Brown has looked as good as he has, um, especially only being 21, I think is a big deal. A 21-year-old 5'8 uh, doesn't come naturally. You like to have a little bit more experience in a position like that. But he's doing fantastic and he's causing trouble for all kinds of teams. Um, caused trouble against Storm last week and now he's caused just raised hell against the Dragons this week, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was also good for the Eels to get a game that maybe didn't go quite up until the final minutes because that's been the one consistent thing for 2022 Eels football that it has been last-minute game. Yeah, and I there is there's merits of having really hard for games, but sometimes you just need a week that goes a bit easier. Um, the Dragons is a good side to have it against for the Eels. And they've had, like, that's been a tough start to the season, especially that Melbourne Storm match. 
um, and to go into probably a slightly easier period over the next month for the Eels is going to be a good thing. They could come away with four wins in the next four weeks even, but it's still, it's it's game time. Like the this is a side that has looked good and quite good for years and Eels fans have been on the chirp for years being like, we're totally capable of making the finals and then not necessarily go out in straight sets, but finish third on the ladder or finish fourth on the ladder, get to have that double chance and then can't quite make the grand final even. And you're like, I see it. I see where they can win. I can see where they can lose, especially against these big sides. But it's more than just beating the top sides um, at the last minute. It's also about convincingly beating the lower sides because it's a long season. 25 weeks is a long home and away season for any sport. The NRL is used to doing it, but at the same time, like if you are constantly having close matches by finals, what's going on with your players' bodies? Exactly. You need those games that you can sub out your main players and let them spend a lot of the final minutes on the bench because that's just a thing that you don't want to take too much out of your players' bodies when, especially when the weather hasn't been great and as such, field conditions haven't been great. We're probably going to get a lot more wet weather games this year, which is never great for bodies. So you really need to focus carefully on that this season. Yeah, I think even this weekend's meant to be another wet weekend in Sydney, at least. Um, And in Melbourne, it's meant to be a bit on and off. Um, To be fair, another wet weather weekend in Sydney is basically any weekend in Sydney (laughs) these days. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you guys are used to it. That's fair. Um, But also, I think that like someone like Mitch Moses getting some breathing room would be very well needed at this point he's he's playing fantastic footy like there's no doubt about that but at the same time it like it's tough <laughs> it's tough going he's the leader of this team and has been a very strong leader in this team but still like you can't have his body breaking down in the middle of the season you need him to be right all year long basically and whilst it's a little bit like if he needs to have a week off there's probably the like in the within the last three weeks of the season this year for him, or now is the period where he might need to take a week off. But it's still it's too early to make a move like that as well. Like we're only going into round five this week. Exactly. You can win as many games as you want here, but what matters more isn't how many games you win now, it's how many games you win in August and how many games you win in September. Yeah, and how you survive origin period. Like origin is unique. For NRL, man, the AFL doesn't have to put up with it. The main other sport with significant representative, soccer, has those international breaks. Yeah. NRL is one of the only sports that just is like, oh, we're going to take all your best players for a few weeks. That cool? Yeah, that's cool. You still have to keep playing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because Origin is the make it a break period for a lot of teams in the season. And... It could be that for the Eels this year. I don't think that they're going to, like, lose five or six players that are, like, constant on-field starters like the Panthers are because New South Wales is, like, 50% the Panthers and then a few players from Souths and Storm and the Eels. Um, but at the same time, like, you, it's still going to hurt. Origin period, origin period will hurt you. 
I think the fortunate thing for the Eels is you don't get a lot of turnover in Origin players. It tends to be similar squads year to year. Yeah, this year it should be a similar year. I think that it's going to be a very heavy um, Panthers, New South Wales, with your Cam Murrays, your Cody Walkers, um, your Teddy getting thrown into that side. Queensland, as always, is still still pretty Melbourne, Melbourne Storm heavy. <laughs> but you, you'll have your Broncos players as well in there. I mean, I think that we are in a period... Like we're 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 a while away from you from Origin, but so with that, let's have a quick look forward to next week, and we start with the Manly Sea Eagles heading up to Newcastle to take on the Knights. And what do you think of that one? I think that Trebojevic is a big out, but I think that last weekend was a momentum killer for the Knights. So I'm actually going to go with the Sea Eagles, despite the fact that the Knights are the favourite heading into this match. And I'm going to go with my team. I'm going to go to the Seagulls. But I do think that this game is really important for both teams because both need to show a reason why they should be a top eight team and both have a chance to do it here. Yeah. And then the next match is the Warriors and the Cowboys. What are you thinking for the first Friday night game? I'm going to go Cowboys. I think either team have reasons they can win and lose. I think the Cowboys will have a bit of a bounce back move back to their more winning ways, but I also don't know how long we'll keep that hot streak going for. Yeah, I so I'm on the contrast. I think that um, the Warriors will take what they learned from last week and hopefully use it to get the win. I think they might like playing that early Friday night match a little bit better as well. It's, it's definitely going to be a close match, I reckon, though. Um, this could come down to... Uh, your goal towards the end of the game potentially yeah and while i don't think there will be as many blowouts as last week there are definitely a number of matches here that could become really lopsided yeah i mean the this the the prime time friday night game roosters broncos i'm going with the roosters jeez it's it's no question (laughs) i have some interesting questions about why they picked some of these as prime time matches but yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's, oh, the Broncos at Suncorp, maybe they'll be good because they have Reynolds this year and it's like, mm, no. <laughs> um, and then the Saturday, the early Saturday afternoon match, uh, Storm versus Raiders. It's I feel like Raider. everyone's going Storm there. It's, yeah, it's got to be Storm. We could, oh, look, hello, Elliot, who are we going for? Storm, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> But the next match, I, of course, I'm going for the Bunnies. That's my team. I would, unless we're playing Melbourne in Melbourne, I am delusional enough to pick Bunnies every single week. They're playing the Dragons, who do not look spectacular as well. I'm going to go Bunnies too. I think they have shown a lot of promise in recent games and they've got that win against the Roosters. Probably deserved a bit closer last week. I think they'll yeah. come back with a win here. Um, and then the last match on Saturday, which is the Eels and the Titans, um, considering how much I just talked up the Eels, it would be insane to say that they wasn't picking them, especially when I trash talk the Titans at the start of the episode. Yeah, I'd like to see a good Titans team, but I do think Eels will win this. As for Sunday, it's the Sharks versus the Tigers. I... Yeah, I, I wonder why this was put as the let's have this one as the free to air game because 
that's not a particularly compelling matchup from what we thought beginning. And Sharks have been strong so far, but... Yeah, like the Sharks have been strong this year, I guess. I don't like them, so <laughs> I don't have a lot of motivation to praise them. But, like, I mean, they're, they're the odds-on favourite for a reason in this match. And it's like, where, the, where it's going, it, it could be brutal. <laughs> and, I mean, the next match, which we did spend a significant portion talking up one of these teams and trash talking the other team which is the Bulldogs Panthers um I think that if the Bulldogs can manage to score a try maybe even get a penalty goal that will have been a valiant effort um the Bulldogs could be seeing what they saw at the start of last season where they got a couple of games without scoring I think yeah, I think the NRL is very, very lucky that the women's grand final is on the Sunday because otherwise Sunday would not have an interesting matchup whatsoever. I feel like there is this, there is a small part of me that feels bad for the Bulldogs because they're playing Storm into Panthers into Bunnies three weeks in a row. That's like, that is seriously, you could go three weeks without scoring um, because all of those are very good defensive side. Yeah, we really don't know what we'll see out of the Bulldogs, but we don't expect it to be good. Not at all. So with that, thank you for joining me this week. Jackie, how can people find you on socials? Uh, so you can find me at Dodzy161 on Twitter and Instagram, but I am also on a couple of other podcasts as part of the Edge of the Crowd Network. So you can find me on Edge of the Election, which is our Australian politics podcast. And you can also find me on Ascending Olympus, which is our Olympics, Paralympics. It's basically now just a Commonwealth Games podcast as we head into the Com Games. But you can find me there every week on Tuesday and Thursday, respectively. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jessica Ross. That's Jessica spelled J-E-S-S-I-K-A. And I will also plug a podcast I am on tomorrow when this goes up. I will be talking about the film Moneyball on our regular weekly film podcast, Goals on Film. You can also follow Mates of Origin at Mates of Origin on Twitter and Instagram. And we are part of the Edge of the Crowd Network work where you can read all of our stories on edgeofthecrowd.com and our socials at Edge of the Crowd.